Live from London, this is The Drive Home with Seb Ventura on Teachers Talk Radio. Good afternoon, everybody. I hope you can hear me loud and clear from London. Today, we're going to be looking at what makes an effective school. Leaders out there, what do you do to make your school effective? And teachers, have you got a really good leadership team or a really poor one? Let us know, call in. As usual, message me on the Podbean or call in live by clicking the call in button and join the conversation. Live from London, this is The Drive Home with Seb Ventura on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live on the Podbean app or desktop player. Just head over to www.podbean.com slash lsw slash ttradio or search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag ttradio. Good afternoon, everybody. I hope you're well as the nights draw in and it begins to get begins to get darker and colder and we start to feel that bite of winter. Um, I hope everyone's good. Uh, three weeks to go, guys. That's what I'm going to have as a little uh, reminder to you all if you're feeling like you're hitting a brick wall. Uh, we're not too far off now. Um, yeah, so today um, we're going to be, um, well, hopefully you can all hear me loud and clear. I had a bit of an issue last week. I uh, had to cancel the show. I'm ever so sorry about that. Um, but that was a major technical issue, my end, um, because I moved house. So congratulations to me. Uh, but obviously, my Wi-Fi setup wasn't quite uh, ready, and I should probably have uh, swerved the show and, and not bothered to try and do it. But anyway, we live and learn. Um, so today's show, what are we talking about? What are we going to be debating? Well, hopefully, you've been on my Twitter uh, today, uh, tributarkod 74 uh, or on the Teachers Talk Radio Twitter, uh, which is where all our shows are advertised and all our topics and all our hosts uh, let everybody know what is coming up. So if you're not already following um, uh, TT Radio, um, then you need to do that. I'm just going to take my mic down a bit because it looks a bit loud. Um, yeah, so that's a good thing to do. Uh, we are on, I think, we're nearly on 10K followers. And when we hit that, there's going to be some kind of big party going on uh, and pres- presumably we will be offering some kind of prize, um, super prize, although that's not confirmed, uh, to our 10,000th uh, follower, which really in under a year is phenomenal. I'm just checking now, yeah, nine, just under 9,750. 9, so a couple more hundred and we're there. Um, anyway, I digress. Uh, on the Twitter this week, I have been promoting what the show is about. So today we're going to be looking at leadership. Now, I have done previous shows on uh, on effective leadership, but this one really we're focusing on um, the role of head teachers and deputies in terms of uh, them working together and collaborating and what makes an effective leadership team. So opposed, uh, 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 not, we're not really looking at individual uh, roles and responsibilities necessarily or CPD. We're looking at personalities. Uh, we're looking at drive, vision, ambition, and all those kind of unquantifiable skills uh, and traits that good leaders and good teachers have that aren't on any teaching standards document necessarily. But they are things that, you know, what make successful heads. I've been lucky enough to work with an amazing head teacher, Helen, uh, for over 12 years at my last school. I'm now working with three or four different head teachers on a day-to-day basis. Um, and that is very eye-opening into the ways that different leadership teams operate in different schools, particularly looking at um, different ways that they communicate 
the numbers, the sizes of the leadership teams, the relationships between the deputies and the assistants, and indeed the relationship between the head and the, her, her, his or her team. Now today, luckily later on, I will be joined by Sarah Wood and Philippa Moore. And they are a deputy head and a head teacher from a uh, primary school called Windhill 21. Uh, not Windmill, Windhill, which I mistakenly said earlier, uh, Windhill 21 in Hertfordshire. And they are going to be speaking to me um, a little bit later on in the show. And we're going to be looking at, uh, they, they've got, they work at an outstanding school. So that's well done to them. And uh, obviously we can't all work in outstanding schools and we don't really know, even know what that really means anymore, I don't think. But anyway, that's another show for another day. But they work in an outstanding school. So therefore, um, they must be doing something right. I think their roster judgment was a couple of years ago, but that's still uh, the fact still remains that they've got that status. So what we're going to try and dig down into with them and what I want you guys to do as listeners to the show today, and welcome to everyone who's joined me, welcome to Deborah, um, and welcome to the other people uh, that have joined me today. Um, thanks for that, because without you, I would have no show. Yeah, so what we're going to delve into today is we're going to look specifically at um, the, the things to do with how you create a working team, uh, how you create chemistry, and if that's even possible. Um, again, I've worked with some fantastic uh, leaders and assistant heads before where we had fantastic chemistry between us. Um, and how does that happen? I mean, that's not something you learn in a book. Um, you might argue that comes from things like social events, just as much as um, any other CPD you do. Uh, going, you know, going out for meals or drinks or socialising as a group together really, really helps bond um, properly, um, I think, um, and help you through those tough times uh, as well as the good times. Um, but chemistry is a really tricky one. It's like an X factor, isn't it? You can't necessarily manufacture it, but there are ways to do it. There are skills to do it. Um, oh, Deborah's actually from Windhill 21. So that's excellent. So Deborah's joining us and she's the school business leader. So welcome to Deborah. Um, so yeah, so there's ways I think you can manufacture that and, and kind of, uh, you know, in a way create those bonds, but in a, it's sort of a little bit, you don't want to do it in a false way, like take everyone away for a, you know, yoga weekend just to get everybody, um, becoming friends. It's not really about that, is it? It's about working as well as a team, being good listeners, uh, collaborators, um, and having high expectations, I guess, for yourself and for your school and for your students. So what we're going to dig down on and what I need you to join me today to do is please call in or message me if you are either working in a school which you think is effective. Forget, forget whether it's outstanding or not, because that's a judgment made by Ofsted and that could have been made years ago or it could have been made last week. If you think you've got a good score or an effective leadership team, what is it they are doing that is making you so effective uh, as a school, as a system? What things are there? Is it necessarily just about behaviour? Is it about um, your options process? Is it the pastoral support? Is it the way the school day is set up? There's so many factors uh, to that go into making an outstanding school. And I've been lucky to work in an outstanding school, which went from special measures to good to outstanding um, over a period of years. So I, I know the kind of things that we did as a leadership team um, in a secondary school. Um, but obviously, that might not be the same uh, where you are uh, in the part of country where you're listening from. You may be listening from abroad. 
um, in which case, you know, how does that work in terms of um, in other countries? How much pressure is there on leadership teams uh, to perform? And, and what's the setup? Again, I can only talk about my own experience, and that's why I need you guys to chip in. Um, so, yeah, so what we're going to look at with them, uh, with Sarah and Philippa, is what they believe some of the key things they've done to make their school uh, outstanding and effective. Now, we may touch upon things like behaviour for learning. Uh, they've done a lot of work with reading and they've done a lot of work with engagement um, of the curriculum. But really, we also want to talk about um, the relationship between Sarah and Philippa in terms of that they basically believe they've got a really good working relationship. And they, and they contacted me to say, could they come on the show and talk a little bit about that so the listeners could could hear how that works. So we're definitely going to talk to them about that. We're going to talk to them about um, their vision um, and how they impart their vision to their team, um, because I think that's a big, big part of it, in my experience, is you can have an SLT that is organised and uh, supportive and runs the school well on a day-to-day -day basis in terms of operational things, but actually strategically as a teacher, if you are not on leadership and you're listening, that's absolutely fine. Of course, if you're a teacher um, or a head of department or a middle leader, how is that vision, um, you know, how is that communicated to you and to all the staff so that everybody is moving in the right direction? Because for me, and again, this is my personal opinion, so you can feel free to argue with me, but I believe that one of the most uh, one of the most reasons most successful schools are successful is because they have a clear vision and um, isn't just a mission statement or a laminated uh, set of values it's actually something that you know an ethos that people buy into um everything you do every decision you make around the running of the school the canteen the uniform everything goes into that um and that that's obviously part of it but obviously schools are very complex places so I'm not offering any silver bullets today. Uh, welcome to Julian. Welcome to Nathan that's joined me and everyone else joining me today. Thank you for that. Um, so, yeah, I'm not going to offer a silver bullet. And if you're tuning in, listening, thinking, well, you know, my school's not very good. Seb's going to give me the answer. Unfortunately, I'm not. But what I can do is use my experience uh, and use the experiences of my guests that are on later and any experiences of anybody else that uh, wants to call in or message about, um, what they think the ingredients are. So just pop me a message. If you don't want to call in, pop me a message. And, and also, um, if you feel the other way, if, you, if you're at a school where you feel like the leadership team isn't effective or the school isn't running how you would like it to real, real, run, then again, get in touch. Um, I will be uh, treat those anonymously. So if you want to call in and not say where you're from, what school you're from, um, that, that's obviously fine. I won't do that. If you want to have a bit of a moan or you want to get something off your chest, I can't put one of those filters on your voice so that you sound like, um, you know, um, somebody uh, being, you know, somebody's voice being changed. I can't quite do that. But anyway, um, that's just another option. So key questions, guys, key questions today. I'm waffling a little bit there. Uh, how do you create a successful school? How do you create a vision? How do you communicate that? How do you create a, a climate for learning? or a climate for that students know that struggling is good. Um, and is there any good advice out there for deputy head teachers and head teachers, uh, existing ones are, that you may want to give that advice to uh, people who are about to go into that role or people who are assistant heads working in a big team or a small team? Uh, what are the key um, tricks of the trade, shall we say, to help your school move in the right direction uh, away from potentially um, 
you know, a, a struggle or potentially a bad judgment uh, from Ofsted. So it sounds simple, but it's not. Uh, it's an easy enough question, uh, how do leaders create an effective school, but it's not something we can answer in, in a soundbite uh, or just uh, pull a book off the shelf and, and say, oh, well, Mary Myatt says this or uh, Dylan Williams says this or whoever. You know, a lot of great pedagogy out there that will help you to do that. But putting it all together and running a school on a day-to-day -day basis and with all the challenges that come with that, particularly, I mean, we're not even talking about COVID. I don't really want to make this about COVID, but that's just another example of a challenge put upon schools um, that can really, really test us um, and our leadership skills and also derail us from what we should be doing um, sometimes, which is concentrating on the teaching and learning or the vision or our CEF um, or our SIP or whatever. So, yeah, we're not going to go down that road. And I don't even want Sarah and Philippa to even talk about what they've done with COVID because we're hoping that that is kind of in the bin, if you like, um, for the time being. So um, we are going to now I am doing this on a Chromebook today. I'm hoping that isn't affecting my performance and I'm hoping that isn't affecting um, the experience that you are getting. Um, I'm going to go a quick um, news break uh, just to gather my thoughts. And um, yeah, let us know, get in touch. What makes an effective leadership team? What makes an effective school? How can you create chemistry between leaders? Or is it not possible? This is Teachers Talk Radio. And this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Megan Goods. This is your latest Teachers Talk Radio News. A House of Commons report on teacher recruitment has highlighted the ongoing shortage of school staff. The report noted a key factor behind this was the heavy workload shouldered by teachers and school leaders. A 2018 survey from TALIS found teachers were working 49.3 hours a week on average, above the OECD average of 41 hours a week. Full-time primary teachers reported 52.1 hours of work a week on average, placing England higher than any other participating country except Japan. 53% of primary and 57% of secondary teachers felt their workload was unmanageable. The report from the Commons points to the new early career framework, including a second year with 5% off timetable time as their solution. That was your latest Teachers Talk Radio News. Okay, so that was a quite a short one uh, today. Uh, Tom just uh, messaged me there about volume. Um, uh, I'm not sure. I've got it on the normal volume, Tom, so hopefully that's all uh, good. Uh, welcome to Tom and to everyone else joining us, to Graham and to the, all, the other regulars that have joined me today. Um, I hope um, you're all having a fantastic week. It is Friday tomorrow. Uh, so that is also another thing I always like to mention on the Thursday show. In case you didn't know that Friday came after Thursday, um, it does. And that means another week chalked off. 
And I know for certain people, uh, including the lovely Tom, uh, who helps uh, to run Teach Talk Radio, he's certainly had a challenging week uh, in his role. So, um, yeah, let's get back on with it, shall we? Um, today, we're looking at what makes an effective school. If you've just joined me in the midst of the beginning, remember, you can always listen back to the show uh, through Spotify uh, by searching up the show and through our website, www.ttradio.org. And all the past past shows are on there that you can binge listen to, to your heart's content. Um, And thank you. I must do a big thank you, actually, before I forget, to all the people who've downloaded my shows, because for once, I actually managed to get in the top 10 downloaded shows uh, for the month um, for a show that I did a few weeks back on TIE, Theatre and Education. So those hundreds of people who uh, did uh, download that uh, I would say thank you to you because you, um, yeah, you kept me in uh, in Tom's good books. Um, so we are looking today at uh, what makes a, well, how do leaders, let's frame the question correctly, how do leaders create an effective school? What do SLTs, decent SLTs do, head teachers and deputies and their assistants to make a school work properly and be effective? And I have two guests today. Um, who are coming on the show? I've got Sarah uh, Wood and I've got Philippa, Philippa Moore. Moore. Hi, Sarah. It's Sarah. Can you hear me? I can. Hi, I've got, I've got Philippa here with me as well. Hello. Both of you, loud and clear with no echo. Oh, oh fabulous. That's great. That works. We have been flapping around, a little bit worried that we won't be able to work and be able to get to the show. So that is yeah. good. That's no, that's fine. We, we won't confess on air uh, why that was because otherwise. Um, <laughs> Tom's listening and he might he might give me um I might be in trouble so um anyway welcome to both of you thank you thank you for giving up your time I know obviously so Philippa you're the head teacher aren't you yes although I sometimes think Sarah is we are mutually um leading the school so right well and that's a really good starting point isn't it because how much you think you know roles and titles uh, actually make a difference when in fact we're all really I suppose working in the same direction do you think do you think those titles are important well I, I obviously you do have to have titles that's the name of the game isn't it really um but you know that's something I I'm, I'm not over keen on is hierarchy it is about us all working together in teams um yeah. it's just about distributed leadership really so yeah um, of course you know, yeah be the culture really but I guess I suppose from from sort of parents' point of view and and community point of view, they need to have a figurehead, don't they? And they need to have someone, and you know, and I suppose your your accountability is greater for you than it is for Sarah, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it goes it goes with the the territory, doesn't it? Obviously, um, it rests on my shoulders. But you know, you, you are not an island as a head teacher. Um, I'm so glad that I have a really good team around me. So it doesn't feel when you're actually in the school that it is that hierarchical. Although, unfortunately, when things do do um, happen, then unfortunately the buck does stop with stop me. With you. <laughs> yeah, of course. So, Sarah, can you can you interject there? What, what's your feelings about that? Do you feel like it is a, a fluid thing, or do you feel like you are, you know, you she is still your boss, as it were? Uh, well, obviously, I have total respect for her. I mean, I've worked with Philippa for uh nine ten years now in 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 different capacities actually as a middle leader and a senior leader um assistant head and now the deputy so uh, i've got total respect for her you know working here with her with wind hill um but yeah i mean we have a really strong leadership team here at wind hill there are seven eight of us on the actual leadership team and we all play a part we're all specialists we all we all um 
you know, lead our own subjects, actually. But uh, working together with Philippa is is fab. We, we were a bit of a dynamic duo, actually. Well, we're quite similar, and which is quite interesting because um, at first when I took the deputy head role, we were thinking, oh, my goodness, this is going to be, uh, we're going to be a bit of a force in, uh, in quite a creative way because we are both very passionate about teaching and learning and very creative. Uh, yeah. But we are we are similar, actually, aren't we? With yeah, I think I, I was. Uh, I'm not saying I was worried, Sarah, that you know when you got the role. <laughs> However, I always was a believer that maybe there should be uh, the deputy and head should be should complement each other in lots of ways. Um, we're both very outgoing. Uh, we're both very creative. However, we do have the same drive and we do have the same vision and we are very present and very uh, visible, I think, throughout the school. Neither one of us sort of sit in their office and uh, just, you know, just play around with Excel spreadsheets. Um, yes. but I, and so, you know, I just actually think it does work because the whole of the leadership team um, does have different elements uh, about it, which uh, does it's the synergy of the team and the specialist role that they hold uh, really makes it work. And I don't know how that's worked. I don't think yeah. I've designed it exactly like that. But I don't think there's an absolute recipe uh, for what works. But it's definitely about drive. It's definitely about people having roles and enjoying their roles and and knowing the purpose and the vision. So. Yeah, it's that it's the, for me, Seb. It's the um what underpins our successful relationship and also our, our leadership team is that we have this shared vision. And we talk a lot about shared vision here at Wind Hill, but it's the shared vision of what the, of the expectations of the school and what learning looks like of the school. So what's, what's lucky about Philip and myself is we go into lessons, we drop in and, and walk around the school at different points and we see the same things. So we're very lucky that that's the case. So um, Yeah, and I think we're, we challenge each other as well so it's not a case of oh we, we are going to see the same things no. and therefore we don't really dig deep I mean we do have challenging conversations but because that respects there um of course we don't take anything personally it is absolutely and also sometimes I might say oh no I don't think you're right there but then the next day I'll come back and really think about it and both of us are like this we say actually I was thinking about what you were saying maybe there is an element and and it's that give and take relationship um, and deep thought that, that goes along with it that makes it successful. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's what you're saying is very key and, and certainly chimes with my experience of being an assistant head in an outstanding school in that, you know, the head teacher was the same in the sense that we, we were all as a group able to be professional and yeah. honest uh, and and challenge each other, which I think is really important. I, mm. I don't think you can run a school and a leadership team with people not being able to challenge. Uh, mm. As long as it's the kids, you know, obviously welfare at the, uh, is the centre and the learning is at the centre of what the argument or the discussion is about. But what I find fascinating is this aspect that you're talking about, which again, I would agree with, of complementary personalities, because mm. you've worked together for a long time mm. and... You know, obviously, if you were to recruit, oh, God forbid, you know, if Sarah was to go somewhere else and you had to and you had to, you know, employ a, deputy, a new deputy head, let's say tomorrow, you know, what, that chemistry that you've got, that, that's going to be almost impossible to replace, isn't yeah. it? So so how do you know, how do leaders or how do head teacher deputies, how can we is it possible to manufacture that or is it just about luck and getting the right people? Well, it is difficult and you might make the wrong choice. I think the first thing you need to do when you recruit is actually 
look at the needs of the school and the skills of the applicants that come in. I think yeah. we've got to do that first and foremost. I mean, I've known, as, as Sarah said, uh, Sarah for a long time, so I knew um, how how she, I don't mean how she operated. She's a real slick operator. But I, I think we, we, we always had that relationship anyway. But if you are recruiting right from, you know, the grassroots, you just need to look at where your school is mm. at the moment, what is needed, and maybe look for somebody. Uh, so, for instance, data isn't my thing. Um, and actually, luckily, we've got somebody on the leadership team that is but has got that but it's really looking at the gaps as well but it is about personalities I mean you do need somebody that um, has got a bit of a sense of humor but is actually really professional at the same time yeah and that yeah. you know yeah, we definitely have a good balance of that don't we you do we do we do we work hard but we also have good fun at the same time we sometimes go on our um we have a bit of a laugh with this, but we go on little road trips. What do you call it? We're professionally mugging others. Professionally basically. mugging other schools. So we, we hunt down other outstanding <laughs> schools. And right. We have a little road trip together and um, see what we can um, pull to possibly bring back to Wind Hill. So, um, but we don't just take anything. Yeah. I mean, we, we look in other schools and we think what would fit in with our vision. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and actually, sometimes you, you, you trip over things. You may, you may go... Uh, to a school for on one level and then you see something mm. you always find something in other schools that you think oh actually that's a little nugget I'll take that back and use yeah. it um, so yeah. we are actually built on other people's um, good ideas really no, but I think but I think you're right I think that is you know we're, we're a, a profession I think that is personally I feel like moving more towards that sharing you know I think there was a big mm. problem when that you know the league tables and all of that came in that, yeah. that created this, you know, horrible competitiveness. Yeah. Um, but I, I feel like whether it's to do with a multi-academy trust or I don't know what it's to do mm. with, but it feels to me personally that, that it's, that, you know, schools are more supportive of each other in that way um, yeah. than, than before. Well, we went to, um, I don't know whether you know Inspire Partnership, but we went to a school called Foxfield and they've now grown into a partnership, into a mat, actually. But they are all about collaboration. Mm. There are obviously high expectations, but they really do not mind sharing their practice. So we we talk to them quite a bit. I go to a few meetings now with them. We're not in their mat, uh, but they, yeah. they don't mind. You know, they're, they're yeah. very giving. And that's taught me a few things, actually, because I think I was a little bit sort of magpie-ish uh, uh, about our practice, thinking... You know, we didn't want to share it so much because of that. Exactly what you said about that um, competitive nature. But yeah. now I'm, I'm totally different now. I, I like to share. It's nice to yeah. be ahead of the game. And no, then, I agree. Oh, I agree. Yeah. I think that's true. I mean, I, we, we did something similar a couple of years ago, but I was on a big leadership team. There was about 10 of us mm. and um, and we were sent out by the head to, to go to similar schools in the area that had similar you know, background children, kids, basically. Mm. And um, we, we did that. We all, we all went out, the 10 of us, and we came back with uh, all these little nuggets, like mm. you just said. But the problem was there was 10 of us. So, of course, we had, we had 10 nuggets <laughs> of, of 10 really good ideas. And obviously, it was impossible to use mm. all of them. But, we, but it was still useful. And, and those schools were happy for us to come in. Exactly. Uh, and, and show off almost. Yeah, and why not? And it, it, it makes you stand to attention as a school as well. It also makes you proud as a school. Yes. Um, 
And I went to a school, we went to a school in London, actually, on a, I can't even remember why we went, actually, but we, we, we um, gleaned about the global goals, and the 17 global goals. And right. they were weaving that in their curriculum. I'm thinking, gosh, that is it. That is it. That's, you know, what we should do. And this was a few years ago, right? Yeah. When it wasn't quite so in, in the news and in the forefront. And, um, and then we took peer review away with it, peer-to-peer reviews and lots of different ways of working. And we, we actually sat in a cafe um, opposite this school and really put something together. And it's now part of you know, the way our culture, like a stick of rock. So Yeah, but do you well, think that... Can I just much? say, well, first of all, she's talking quite a lot, but actually I don't think that was with me. I think she's gone on a road trip with somebody else there. Well, she's not the only one. <laughs> well, um, Sarah, I'll come to you in a minute, Sarah, actually. Yeah, no, on, thank on, you. Thank you. Um, I was just going to say that, do you think that... Do, or I'll, I'll, I'll put this question to both of you and you can either both answer it or have you want to do it, but... Do you think then, listening to you saying that, Philippa, that it's more powerful to or to go and to go to other schools like that that are that are in a really good place than it is to uh, you know go and read a specific book or go on a course or go to Pixel or I don't know? Mm-hmm. Do, do you think it sounds to me like you get more out of um, magpieing what works in similar schools with similar yeah. students than going to a random course about I don't know, improving standards. Yeah, I think there's, there's pra- it because it's quite practical as well. Yeah. And then you start mulling as to why it's working. Because if it is working in another school, you, you know, you, you, you're, you're interested in it and you think it can work. It's, it's something that has worked. So, um, I mean, we're very much into research as well. And we're on mm-hmm. Twitter, etc. Yeah. We, we try and keep abreast of uh, sort of modern thoughts and even just things that are happening in other schools. But somehow going into a school and feeling it Mm-hmm. I do yeah, it's different, yeah. most, most from it. And we roll it we roll it out when we bring it back to Wind Hill. It's not, oh, we've just seen this amazing practice somewhere else. Let's just go with it. Let's start mm. next week. Let's just get on with it. Yeah. We think about it carefully and we roll it out slowly. We often trial it with certain yeah. new groups. Yeah. Um, so we're really careful with how we do that so that we make sure we have the best possible impact of a new initiative. Yeah, of course. And then obviously reflecting on that, whether it's worked or not. Or, oh, yeah. Yeah. All the um, time. So sorry, we pilot then. it, reflect, and then we roll out, but then we refine it again. We don't ever assume that it's working. I think that's no. something else that we we are we're not complacent, but we never assume that it is actually the finished product. Um, we always review, and I think that is really important. I mean, we actually um, thinking about an example of that. I mean, about five years ago, um, Philip and I went on a road trip to. Um, look at whole class reading so before we used to teach the carousel approach and it just wasn't working for us we just weren't we just didn't think we were getting the impact that we wanted and the progress can you just explain what you mean by that because I might there might be people not knowing not sure when you teach uh, reading within primary um, the primary sector carousel is is making a class into into groups so there might be group five groups and every day each group is doing a different reading activity and the teacher just works with one group but we were finding that the children who were working with that teacher for that one day during that week they were making progress and they were learning but the other four groups they were very much independent and behavior wasn't 
um, the expectation of our behaviour is very high and, and actually children were going off task and uh, it, we just felt that actually this isn't going to be the best possible way of teaching. We thought there was something out there, a better approach to teaching reading. And so we found, we did our research and we went out about five years ago, possibly even longer, maybe six years ago, um, to look at somebody, to look at a couple of schools who delivered whole class reading effectively. And we brought it back and we trialled it in year six, then, then brought it down, I think, to five. And we gradually rolled it out across the school and it was a real success we had other schools coming in to watch us model lessons. It was fabulous. And we still teach whole class reading, but we don't just, we teach a very different approach now to what we did five years ago. We've basically like reflected, we've refined, we've made the learning tighter and deeper. Um, and we've moved away from, we used to have something called an ERIC, which is basically explain, retrieve, um, interpret and choice. But we've we've moved away to whole class reading drivers just to, take on board the way educational research is really developing and mm. how yeah. children learn. So it's just another way of showing how Winter, we don't just take on an idea. Yes, that's great. And just sit on it. We're always improving and developing. Yeah. Sorry, I thought that was a bit of a sales pitch. I'm so sorry. No, but I think that's a great example, actually. Yeah. Of how we have over the years uh, refined our, our practice. And but again, it's always reflecting on our practice and and being open and honest with teachers as well um, is really important. Having that open dialogue about what they really feel is going well and what isn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. And pupils, of course, you know, hot topic at the moment. Always talk to pupils. Yeah, now that's really interesting. Um, what, what I really want to drill down, and while I've got you both here, um, which is I'm really, really fortunate and I'm, I'm really grateful for you both giving it your time because neither of you are, I expect, got a massive to-do list. Um, so thank you for that. And I'm sure the listeners are really getting a lot out of it. But what I really want to do before you guys go is drill down a little bit more specifically on what is what it is you are doing that is making it work so well. Now, I'm, I'm not asking you for a, a silver bullet, but you've already referred to things like uh, being visible in the corridors and not sitting in a, you know, ivory yeah. tower. You've also talked about going out, getting good practice and then reviewing its success in your school and the impact. So could you both give me another kind of example of, of something and maybe a takeaway that people listening could think, oh, yeah, that, that's something we, sh we should try and do if possible? Um, it's difficult because yeah, we are outstanding. And as you said in your int introduction, you know, are we outstanding now? I don't know. But I certainly no. know where we've come from as a school and it was the sink school. I think the first thing to say, in a way, things you don't become outstanding. That's if we are outstanding now. I mean, we're not that far away from it, if, I don't think, if we're not. Yeah, but, let's not even go there. <laughs> well, let's not even go there. But, you know, it's one of, it's one of those things that it doesn't happen overnight. Mm -hmm. It is something you have to work at, and you may go back and may go forward. Um, but we, we did totally rebrand the school as well to make sure that everybody – because um, we called Wind Hill 21, um, it is really having that expectation for all that everybody has this cutting edge um, sort of mentality of um, the internationalism. It just didn't, it just wasn't an overnight thing, but it no. was high expectations that we started to instill, whether it be with the pupils, the environment, and definitely the teaching and learning. I mean, teachers here started, you know, they were originally, this is a long time ago, um, they were sort of blaming it on the children rather than raising yeah. up. Mm. And raising up CPD is massively important. Of course it is, yeah. Um, and 
and as I say, it's not overnight, but it's really that vision of making sure that everything had uh, that high expectations. And, yeah. And for, yeah, for the pupils as well, there was there's no ceiling, um, so no ceiling for attainment here. We're very aspirational with the children, and and they know that it's not just about us knowing that mm -hmm. and us thinking that. We communicate that to the children through growth mindset, but through everything we do. Um, yeah. And when Philippa said there about high expectations for the environment, we make sure that beautiful work is everywhere to celebrate and our school is, is beautiful. So we have high standards for presentation so that they work in a beautiful environment and just feel yeah. valued by it. No, I think, um, that's, I think that's a big one. Um, again, you know, I can only refer back to my last school that I worked in because it was outstanding for a number of years and still is um, under the, you know, the latest framework. But it hasn't been done for a few years. But anyway, that's another debate. Um, Again, what, that was something that my that our head was very keen on was, mm. you know, the, the beautifulness of it in terms of the, the displays. And, and this is not about, you know, oh, Ofsted are coming, let's put some posters up or let's make everything no, nice. No. It was no. always that, you know, displays had the, the most recent trips on them. They had the most recent work on them. Mm. Um, you know, and because, again, it's that whole thing, isn't it? If, 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 you, if you respect your environment and make it a lovely building and a classroom and a, and a place to be then mm. you would hope that it just builds that culture doesn't it reinforcing that message that that we value high expectations i think the other thing we've just put a display up actually of, um writing throughout the school and we had a common theme throughout the school so each year group uh, did the same piece of writing and so they they had that commonality and they had that gal they galvanized in into the topic that we were writing about and we have these opportunities to do that uh, throughout the year um, and I think that's that high expectation there and they, they can see it's their work but it's also the whole school yeah. um, so it, it, actually it's really nice because today because actually it's just starting to go up we've got um, say a couple of year groups just to go but on the it's within our learning zone, which is our main hub of our school. And the children today, you could just see them looking at it, absolutely um, yeah. Yeah, buzzing from it. But it's not there. What I love about our beautiful displays, actually, it's not there just to show off, which, I, which possibly some other schools can do. This is about going deep. And we make sure there's substance and depth behind it and the learning is there the whole time. I was going to say that. Do you, do you, I read that somewhere, I can't even remember where, in, in lockdown about the, the concept of... I can't remember who it is and it's bugging me now, but the idea of that displays should be showing mistakes and, and progress, not just mm -hmm. the finished article because it doesn't reflect the work that's gone into it if yeah. it's just the final piece. Is that something you, you might do or have done? Uh, yes. I mean, you know, we're not saying that the actual piece of um, – obviously you want it to look lovely and try and make it into the best handwriting, but if there's some mistakes there, et cetera, we don't have to make it absolutely perfect. You know, we're no. reflecting uh, children who might be SEN as well, so it's not as though it's the, the higher attainers' work. No, yeah, of course. There. So we must, you know, that is is really important. Um, but in the classrooms, we make sure that, that every display or most of the displays are supporting the learning, a reference point. So we have like visual uh, knowledge organisers in the classroom. So it's all supporting the learning. Whereas yeah. outside the classroom, that is more where the beautiful work is presented. But it's also put on screens. I'm a big believer in lots of screens. So we can yeah. change things. So we can have like our head pupil mm. or our pupil pupil responsibilities on one screen we've got computing because a lot of computing is in the bowels of a computer that's yes. uh, 
that's shown on another screen. We've got healthy living uh, or healthy lifestyle near where the hatch is. When they're waiting, they can look at uh, that sort of information. It's yeah. really supporting them um, through everything. The AR aspects of the day. readers, mm. the competition, yeah. it's all up on screen. No, that's, a big, that's a big thing, isn't it? Because that gives you that that ability and we had you know several screens around as well that ability mm -hmm. to bespoke you know yes. put things up that yeah. are not just because once it's on a wall and it's someone spent hours putting a display exactly. you don't want to tell them next week to take it down yeah, um, yeah. you know that that is I mean I hated doing displays but um <laughs> but yeah. uh, I had a lucky I had a lovely team of people who were better than it better at it than me mm -hmm. um but yeah no I think that's a really good one this the screens well I've got a question here so I must I must remember to keep um, and getting other people involved in this discussion. Um, so if you are listening and you've got a question for Sarah or Philippa or a comment, then please, please do that while I've got them on the line. Um, Graham has just messaged in to say, out of interest, uh, how do leaders keep themselves in check? I feel my leaders are similar to you, but recently a lot has changed for the worse. Do you have fail safes or do you have ways to monitor your own successes? Ooh, wow. that's deep. That um, is deep, isn't it? That's Graham for you. He is deep. Can oh, is one, one of you want to tackle that? Is there, was there any way of putting that simply? Um, uh, <laughs> probably not. Probably no. not. <laughs> um, I don't know. Um, any way of monitoring our successes, did you say? I mean, I, I guess what he's trying to say is how do you, you know, just keep yourself grounded, I guess, and, and make, you know, I, I think you the way you're talking is the two of you do that to each other, if you yeah, like. I say that, actually. I think we have those honest and open conversations yeah. and we communicate together. But we're always, we're very driven and we're always looking um, always reading up on research that and on, on educational practice to try and keep ourselves. I think it's the question as well: Is it really working? You know, we're always yeah. saying, "Is this yeah. really?" You know, yeah. you, you do question yourself mm. as you know, yeah. is, this, is this a really good idea? Is this um, too much for people um, to cope with? Because we mm. are a bit formidable and we do have lots of uh, ideas. And if you're not careful, you can overload people. Mm. Yeah, so of we course. need to keep ourselves grounded with our own personal questions between each other, mm. but also with our leadership, I say our leadership team, the leadership team, that that's how you have to keep grounded because we need to listen um, and have honest conversations and really uh, not assume. Um, mm. And I think yeah. that's possibly uh, uh, the mindset that we've got to be yeah. able to uh, keep ourselves grounded. Um, I'd love to know from Graham what's happened to, his, um, you know, what's happened to the team and how things can go wrong. And you do have members of the team yeah. that sometimes might find things difficult or decisions difficult. And um, but we do try and be as inclusive as possible, mm. and we're always work together. trying to work mm. on that because mm. it, it is it's hard. It's, but know, the thing is, you've got you've got the the um, the advantage of consistency. So mm. again, I think another thing I see in the schools that I've been working in the last couple of years that are not outstanding that that lack of consistency and turnover of mm. staff is a massive killer for mm. all these things you're talking about. If you're mm. if you're constantly uh, hiring and firing people it really doesn't help yeah. I mean um, I think we can get too worried though about losing people what we need to do is have the mentality of growing people yeah so that you don't get fearful of them going because that's normal 
Um, if they're going for the right reasons in terms yeah. of motion or obviously other reasons that might be, but it's when you're, you, you, you do have to reflect why people go. We, we did have a massive change of staff after we were outstanding actually, mm. which is very frightening. Yeah. Um, and that's because of promotion mostly actually, yeah. to be honest. And, and since then we've hardly had any changes. But in a way, it's quite refreshing as well. I think yes. if you keep people doing the same thing day in, day out, I think then that, you know, we just need to grow and move yeah. on and grow and move on. But it's, it's but, got to be organic, hasn't it? It's, it's, it's like any, any successful uh, sports team or anything like that. You, mm. you know, players get older and, and move on, et cetera. So, you know, it's always going. But I think what I'm saying is having you at the top, Philippa, there as a consistent person who's been there, what, oh, right. 10, 10 years, is it? You said you've been there longer. Yeah. Yeah and, yeah, and then Sarah now for a long period. What I'm saying is, even if the people are around you change, mm -hmm. you've still got that drive and that vision at the top, mm -hmm. so that it doesn't become yeah. muddled. And, um, and you have that structures in place as well yeah, to systems. support it. So if you've yes. got teams, so you've got a maths team to put it in basic currency. You've got a maths team, and one leaves, then the other no, others know the way yeah, of working. Yeah. You don't suddenly lose. Mm. I mean, luckily we're a bigger school, so I do feel sort of small schools that your maths lead goes, and then it all falls down like a pack of cards. Of so, course, yeah. Well, Graham's great. Go on, Sarah. Are you going to no, say so something? I was just going to say we do invest in um, a really robust CPD um, training program for all our staff. So, it, and we do have the mantra with the leadership team here is that we are we are there to grow people and not to tell people what to do it is about growing them mm. um would you say and uh yeah definitely it's about um looking what's out there obviously um trying to develop pedagogy as well but also making sure this is i don't mean this is the way we do it here but um say say math mastery for instance or how we do uh, do whole do class whole reading, class reading. Mm -hmm. um people know what the expectations are but we develop them to be the best quality yeah, teacher they can be and if they've got yeah. a specialist that they want to pursue a specialism sorry that they want to pursue then we make sure that that is somewhere that we put them in the team that they want to be mm. in or whether they want to do some cpd that's going to add value if people are excited if people are grown then they're going to grow even further you know mm. um, yeah definitely i think um a couple of key things you've said there for people listening uh not assume i think that is a mantra that i, I was always by my head teacher always uh, uh told um, you know, I, I, whenever we said things and it was always like, yeah, but that's she was always say, well, let's not assume. Um, mm -hmm. And that thing of is it working is massive as well. Mm -hmm. And it, it used to annoy me slightly because I used to be like, you know, everyone's working so, so hard and you do all these things, brilliant initiatives. And then, you know, that question of, yeah, but is it working? Sometimes you don't want to stop. You don't want to stop and check that it's working because you're, you're either pleased with it or. Or you're frightened yeah, that it's frightened. not. <laughs> exactly. And then you put all that effort in. But I think mm. you, you've just got to let go, haven't you? And, and yeah, not be just, precious. Just be open minded to reflect and refine things. I think you mm. know, be open minded. And yeah, I think the yeah, other well, thing is, is just that we're not frightened of being gritty as well you know, facing gritty subjects with children. Yeah. We, you know, I think we are quite cutting edge like that. Um, and that sets us a little bit apart from uh, schools that play it safe. Mm. Um, we, you know, it's fearless headship or fearless leadership. Totally. Um, and sometimes you've just got to just go slightly out of the norm um to 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 make sure that you are ahead yeah. of the game I, I actually think that is that what you've said there personally and this is all anecdotal of course but 
Personally, mm-hmm. I would say what makes the difference between the good and the outstanding sometimes is yeah. that you, good schools can be doing everything brilliantly and, and by the book. But, you know, when we went from good to outstanding, part of it was that extra magic, yeah. if you like, but because mm-hmm. we took risks, we did things that weren't exactly. conventional, yeah. that weren't in the playbook, um, but but were having impact. So, But that's mm-hmm. hard to do, I think. That is hard to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it is, um, yeah, and we we did come from a, an, we do have a, an eclectic mix of children actually, and and we did have a very uh, bad reputation in Bishop Stortford years ago, and that sticks, and that yeah yeah shift. Um, it's very easy to make a a bad reputation a good reputation bad, but it's the other way round. It's like yeah. around a liner, so you have to have something extra special, and you mm. have to have a brand. We rebranded. Um, you know the uniform everything and totally, we made sure yeah. there's a lot of publicity as well of what we were doing it had to get out into the public domain as yeah. well yeah yeah um, again these are these are all i mean i'm just literally t- I'm, i must uh make sure my ex my old head teacher does listen to this because you know again this is ticking so many boxes and, and people who are out there that are listening that are want to you know develop their schools to the next level this is all very sound advice um things like the branding you know people call that a dirty word like they shouldn't associate branding with education but again it's all about the vision for me it's all about getting the the community getting everybody around one thing and if that mm-hmm. means having a certain color uniform or a certain uh you know tagline that is about everywhere then i think that's all good it's a it's a good thing yeah, mm. I, th- I think we wanted to raise that because we do um, have a disadvantage. We are in a disadvantaged area relative to Stortford, which is quite rural and leafy. You know, we had to do something different and we did. Yeah. The children deserved it. They deserve to have to be raised up, have a lovely uniform, be a celebrate international uh, that internationality if that's the Mm. word because we get a lot of children who are eal particularly our school right right at the beginning a few years ago we were known as as a school which has children from different backgrounds and you know we just had to go that extra mile to to show everybody that the education at Wintel 21 was the best it could be and whoever you are and wherever you come from uh, you're going to get that as a diet and it's going to be a little bit more cutting edge 21st century and internationally um, embracing, if you like. So is that where the, I've now just clocked? So that's that's where the 21 came from. Then yes. when you rebranded it, you yeah. put the 21 to reflect yeah. 21st century. Oh, that's I see. Right. Yeah. And the, we got slated up, um, in the papers for it slightly. Mm. I, I mean, bet, again, yeah. it, it was actually on the back of School 21. I don't know whether you know School 21. That's um, no, Peter I don't. Hy- well, Peter Hyman, who's uh, he used to be the advisor, I think, to Tony Blair, and started this school called School 21. Right. And I went up there and I thought, well, why can't we do that? And in the paper, they were saying 21. What's that all about? That's a stupid name. But then they're talking about it. You know, if you're talking yeah, about Yeah, yeah. It's good publicity, um, isn't it? And that, that's the thing. They just want to, you know, sometimes the media don't want to, don't like it, do they? Yeah, um, I, I must just pick up on Graham's responses because obviously I don't know whether you guys can see, but no. people listening on the podcast after um, won't be able to, to see Graham's comments. So I must read them out because he's responded to what you said about uh, what's happened um, so the latest on Graham's school is uh, literally just like you guys until lockdown time. So he's mm-hmm. saying up to lockdown, it was fine. Ofsted panic has now sent everybody spiralling. Um, a lot is being asked of everybody. Manic stress levels in all directions, a real shame. 
Um, P.S. We are currently outstanding and expecting Ofsted soon. Yeah, I feel the pain actually because and um, we're not expecting Ofsted soon, but we we feel as though possibly we're, we're, fall, we're falling yeah. short. We think, oh, are we doing it correctly? Yeah. And we are on a bit of a panic as well, even though we're not at that window. So I, I do. I actually understand where he's coming from. I think it's every school now because yeah. they're going to, um, you know, offstead all these all the schools in quite. Well, because there's a backlog, isn't there as well? Yeah. There's a backlog, and and then also people worrying. I know a school that I've been working in where they're they're expecting it any day, but they've got so many people off ill or with yes. COVID that they're saying we can't have them now. So I, I almost feel like it almost needs to be paused. Um, but I guess they've got such a backlog they can't. Um, there's one more thing I want to pick up before I let you guys go because I'm, I'm aware of the time, um, but I, I want to just pick up on one final point, which is you mentioned earlier about well-being, and um, I think this is also worth us discussing how how you how you're cautious of that because again I think working in an outstanding school it was very intense uh, for the right reasons, but. You know, at times I did feel like it was too much. Um, and I'm sure my, my ex-boss, if she was listening, won't mind me saying that because the drive to, to, to be the best was intense. But how do you, how do you, how are you aware of, how do you manage that you're, that you're not pushing staff too hard? It's very, I, I, I always worry about that, I've got to say. And um, we, funnily enough, we're in the middle of uh, just compiling a questionnaire just to gather people's honesty around that. Yeah. Um, it's really difficult because um, I think we've created a culture, and I'm not trying to evade the answer here, but we've created a culture where people want to grow and want to somehow develop. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it feels as though it's not as though they're competing against each other. I'm not saying that, but I think people are given quite a lot of uh, responsibility if they want to have it in terms of um, they, they will have more leadership time. And one thing I'm very keen is to give people leadership time. So it's all very well saying lead something, but if you don't have the time to do it, then that's yeah. very stressful and then things don't get done. Mm. Um, I, I, we do, we have got, I say a no marking policy. It's not totally a no marking policy, but that's the first thing we did. We reviewed about how, and I think now it's more commonplace, yeah. but we were one of the first schools that took that risk and said, right, we're going to refine our feedback and make sure it's more in the moment um, yes, yes. And yeah so that was the first thing we did the one thing I think we need to do better is actually have more staff social type of um, uh, sort of sessions okay. as well we do have some trained coaches um, as well on site that they know that they're a go-to person if there are issues that because some of them have been personal issues through yeah, COVID yeah. and various yeah. things so Hopefully, and again, it'll come out in the um, questionnaire, whether people feel as though they can go to mm. members of staff to feel supported. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping that they will, but who mm. knows? I'm sure that they'll come up with some suggestions maybe for some well-being. It's yeah. about whether they feel resilient as well, because it does depend on people's resilience as to mm. how much they cope with or how much they like their job, you know, as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, but if people are keen to progress mm. and they like that, then hopefully there are things like, um, I know it sounds silly, but sorry, we're just saying today, <laughs> I'll get, get a word in edgeways in a minute, Sarah. But I was just saying that we were, we don't want to pounce on people anymore. You know how yeah. some people go into classrooms and say, can I have 
six books, two lower, two middle, whatever. Yeah, and I yeah. want to look at them. That really gets people's backs up and, and actually it makes them feel not valued. Yeah. So we are thinking about talking yeah. about, um, you know, making sure people are aware of what we're doing. Yeah, we try to like plan ahead. So sometimes between the two of us, we get carried away. We often have um, at Wind Hill, we have these themed weeks or... Uh, we might have history day or under the sea week, whatever. Whatever we, we sometimes have these to develop the curriculum and the, you know, the um, the the, 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 wider, the wider curriculum. The wider curriculum. <laughs> yeah, I like the sound of under the sea. Week. I, yeah. I like that. Yeah, we have all all different types, and basically we think it through. So if we we look at the calendar, we think, oh my goodness, we've got science week coming up mm. there. We want to have a, 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 um, a climate change speech evening there. We've got poetry slams here. And we do sometimes, we reflect and refine, we get together, we get very excited actually together and we have these ideas, but then we do map them out and think that can go to next academic year, let's plan ahead. Um, so I think, you know, we, we do try to do that to take the pressure off the teachers because they want to just do a brilliant job. We've got amazing staff here who, who give it everything. So um, we do think of their well-being and think actually let's just plan this out. Um, so that we do things really well. That's that's the other thing as well. We don't want to do too many things, um, no. whole school whole school events or the icing on the cake, as we call it here, because it's about the learning, going deeper. Sometimes less is more, and then doing yeah. it really well. Yeah. Yeah, it's classic Mary Meyer, isn't it? Um, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I, I think that's really sound uh, sound leadership, and it sounds like you two, are, are, you know, will be great leaders to work for. Um, and you know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, what did, you, what did you say? Well, I said thank you, Sarah. But I mean, hopefully we are. But uh, there's a few of our staff members listening tonight, so hopefully they. Um, oh, they might. They, they may not agree, but um, uh, but <laughs> they'll fill in the questionnaire. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, they can put it in there anonymously. But um, I, yeah, I, I, it is difficult. No one, no one says it's no one says it's easy. Everyone knows how hard it is, and I think. If you, if like you say, you said earlier about being honest and having difficult conversations when necessary, treating staff like adults, um, mm. you know, and being able to do that whilst also cutting people's slack when you feel it's necessary. Uh, mm. But it's it's such a there's so much pressure on everybody at every single level from from TAs, office staff, you know, right right up to the to the head teacher, etc., and the governors. You know, everybody's yeah. under massive pressure. And I think it's actually trying to put yourself having that empathy of different roles. Because there's yes. this uh, assumption that their role—I I mean, I've done it as well—that um, you cut, you you've got to put yourself in somebody else's position and really see it from their point of view. Um, otherwise, you get a situation in schools where they say, "Oh, well, they they don't—I do, don't know—he stage one don't do as much as early years or early, you know, yeah, somehow yeah. there's this inter into these factions." Um, and it's trying to break those down and have uh, honest conversations and trying to get people to sort of see things from different people's perspectives, which is hard. Uh, but we it have had people in to to support doing that. So we have had sessions um, whereby I think it's called mountaintop vision, where you can see it from different people's perspectives mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. just making that mm -hmm. awareness at uh, the Myers-Briggs as well, that uh finding out who you are, what type of person you are and how you are seen in an in an institution is really powerful and trying to see how others are as well. Yeah, so I, it's not just about pedagogical CPD, it's about more um, understanding teams and other people within your institution. Yeah, I agree. I think the, mo the most powerful thing we ever did or I ever did when I was in charge of teaching and learning, the most powerful thing by far was when we did... Uh, a quality assurance day 
where normally I would just go around with the other assistant heads and the leadership team to, to quality assure, you know, teaching and learning, fill in a Google form, all of that. But then we did it one, once with the middle leaders and we got them to join us on the learning walks and to do the QA process with us. Mm. And it was such a game changer because you, I just completely forgotten how the head of music had never even been into the English classrooms or the maths classrooms or the, mm. you know, why mm. would she? She's, mm. she's running a successful department, great results. Why would she necessarily go and watch an English lesson or a map? She wouldn't. And, mm. and so the benefit they got in the Middle East of seeing whole, whole school and empathising with different pressures and different, you know, kids in different lessons for starters, um, it, is, it was a massive eye-opener. So I, I think you're right. It's well, that's hard made to... me think, actually, maybe we should be doing even more of that and what you've been saying. You yeah. Know, giving people that opportunity. It is time. It, it is a it is time, yeah. You know, but I do think it is very valuable for people to really see it from different... I mean, people in teachers or teaching assistants in year six don't often go to early years as well. No, and, no. And I it's do the think there's something in that as well. Yeah, but you're right. The time is the biggest issue. It's the one thing everybody would put down, isn't it? If, mm. if they were asked what they would want more of, it is always time. So mm. I, I guess, but then that's the whole thing about the marking, which you referred to, which I think is, again, becoming a common factor across yeah. a lot of schools. Mm. You know, that impact versus time spent mm. um, not, being, not being equivalent. And so, you know, you've got the time is so precious, it's got to be used well. It's, it's things as well, like report writing, you know, can we yeah. make it easier? Can yeah. we, uh, and, and appraisals as well. When we had appraisals, we used to fill in lots of narrative and proving your worth. Yeah. And then suddenly I thought, forget that, actually. No. Um, let's just make sure there's some sort of proof of you're trying to develop yourself that you've seen others. You know, are you trying to grow yourself? You know, is it stick or carrot, really, at the end of the day? Yeah, yeah I agree. Want? And personally, I thought, I'm responding to all these uh, appraisals, filling a great big box. I mean, actually, suddenly think, this is ridiculous, you know. <laughs> so, it's all about you. Really. It's all about it's me. All about me. Of course. I don't have I know. to respond to it. <laughs> no, no. Okay, well, listen, I, I would love to chat to you for even longer if I could. It was it's such a fascinating conversation, um, yeah, and I'm sure you. the listeners will have got a lot out of it. Like I say, if you've just joined us late, um, and you've missed the beginning of this great, um, great bit of CPD, effectively from Philippa and Sarah. Please download it on Spotify afterwards, or you can go to the ttradio.org uh, website and listen back to the show um, straight away after um, if you've missed it. And I'd encourage everyone, everyone at Wind um, at Windhill to do that as well um, and up my downloads, up my um, up my stats. Um, that would be massively appreciated. So I'm going to let you both go. Is there anything else final you want to say before I let you go? Thank you for having us, actually. Yeah, thank, thank you for it's giving been, us this opportunity. It was a bit nerve-wracking at first, but you make it quite <laughs> easy to chat oh, to. Oh, so, thank you. Thank um, you. I'm really so nerve-wracking. Yeah. No, no, you shouldn't be nervous. You've got a lot of good things to say, and, and it's important that we get it out there. So, um, yeah, thanks very much for your time. Really appreciate it. And, um, yeah, if you, um, if you actually, one of you wants to, if you go onto the website and put your details in, because obviously mm -hmm. I'm not allowed to uh, GDPR take your details, but if you register on there and, and say that you've been a caller on the show, then you can get yourself a Teachers Talk Radio mug sent out to you as well. Oh, for the staff room. Yeah. That's, I, that's I, the icing on the cake. Did, that is the icing on the cake. That means that we are outstanding. That's fantastic. Exactly. If you've got one of our mugs, yeah. yeah. All right. Thanks very much, ladies. I'll let okay. you go. Thank you. All right, then. Thank you. Bye now. Take Bye. care. Bye. 
Okay, so that was um, a brilliant piece of CPD, I would call that. A, a fascinating chat that we covered a lot of, of um, areas of uh, teaching there. They are from a primary school in Hertfordshire. So thank you again to Sarah and to Philippa. But of course, a lot of what they said easily um, applies to secondary schools uh, and special needs schools or wherever you're working, whatever your context. Um, a lot of what they said was what I would call common sense, but often uh, those things are the things that get missed by people overcomplicating it um, or trying to do initiatives or trends uh, and they miss the actual nuts and bolts of uh, what makes a good school, which effectively I think comes down to teaching and learning. So we're going to have a, a quick news break. Um, don't go away and please um, get in touch after the news um, if you want to join the conversation. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Megan Goods. This is your latest Teachers Talk Radio News. House of Commons report on teacher recruitment has highlighted the ongoing shortage of school staff. The report noted a key factor behind this was the heavy workload shouldered by teachers and school leaders. A 2018 survey from TALIS found teachers were working 49.3 hours a week on average above the OECD average of 41 hours a week. Full-time primary teachers reported 52.1 hours of work a week on average, placing England higher than any other participating country except Japan. 53% of primary and 57% of secondary teachers felt their workload was unmanageable. The report from the Commons points to the new early career framework, including a second year with 5% off timetable time as their solution. That was your latest Teachers Talk Radio News. Great, thanks for that news report. So, not a short one this week, which is good, I think, in some ways, because um, it means there's not major disasters going on at government level uh, with education or any major uh, stresses going on in the world of teaching. Um, right, okay, so what a fantastic show so far. Um, really pleased with my guests today. You never really know when you get guests how they're going to be. Um, and obviously some some are, are more natural than others, but I think both of those two were fantastic in in uh, giving us an insight into what makes a, an outstanding school. And I think if you were to distill most of those uh, messages and things they talked about uh, in there, I think you would, you'd be going in the right direction. Um, so yeah, lots of things we talked about, consistency, uh, visible presence, having a vision, being honest with staff, uh, being aware of well-being and workload, um, reflecting a lot, uh, making sure that you review, going to other schools to find out what other schools um, do successfully and magpieing that and not feeling um, that there's anything wrong with that because I think schools do like to show off if they're good. So, yeah, lots of good stuff. So now the onus is on uh, the listeners um, to get in touch. So if you're listening in, and I can see there's a lot of people listening today, so that's great. 
Um, it is just after five o'clock, about seven minutes past. Um, we have got a little bit of time left. So this is the time where you can get involved and get in touch. Uh, like I say, if you do call in um, um, live and speak to me today, you will get a Teacher Talk Radio nice mug sent to you in the post. So that is an um, incentive if I've ever I heard one. Let me know where you're listening from. Are you listening in the UK? Uh, I've got a um, Gabrielle uh, uh, who said they're listening from South America. So welcome to, to you. Thank you for joining us um, from wherever you are. Uh, because we are literally a global uh, station with the power of the internet. Um, just a little um, mention now to some of the other shows that are on Teachers Talk Radio coming up. We've had a real influx of um, some new hosts over the last week or so. Um, I, I know that because I'm also one of the people who helps uh, train the new hosts. So we've had a lot of um, uh, new hosts joining us, and we're nearly at the point where every single uh, slot on Teachers Talk Radio has got a guest, has got a host um so that is wonderful so that means you can listen literally uh monday to sunday uh if you wanted to pretty much all day long although we obviously don't have shows um pretty much during school time um there are shows the breakfast show at seven o'clock and there is a morning show at nine o'clock and then there's a kind of gap uh because obviously everybody's at school and then it starts again at four with the drive home which is this show uh, the Twilight Show, The Late Show, etc. So we've got big, big new guests uh, joining us. We've got Zoe Enser, uh, very, very well known Zoe Enser, um, half of the double duo of Zoe and Mark, uh, well-established um, uh, writer, a public, uh, author of, of many pedagogy books um, and English specialist. She, um, she is joining. She is now going to be hosting The Breakfast Show on Saturday. So be certain to listen into that. I'm sure she's got some brilliant things to talk about CPD and teaching and learning. Um, we've got loads of other guests coming up. I don't really want to spoil that yet because, um, uh, well, there are just, there's just too many of them, too many names to mention, basically. Um, but yeah, have a look on our website, have a look at the schedule, uh, and you'll see um, whenever you can, whether you want to listen in um, when you're doing other things, uh, whether you're on the way home or whether you're just at the weekend. Uh, I was going to say doing gardening. I don't think anybody's doing gardening in this weather, are they? Um, I think you'd be insane. Um, but yeah, if you're if you're out and about or you're just chilling out and um, doing jobs in the house, then, you know, whack us on or get involved um, and listen in or go back and listen to the shows. So take a breath. I'm going to tell a quick ad break, actually, uh, before I forget. And then after the adverts, we will be um, yeah going back to talking a little bit about what we've discussed today and seeing if we can get any more uh, tips and hints as to how to make an, a school outstanding, or let's just call it effective, because I don't really like saying outstanding, because it sounds like schools that are classed as good um, aren't, aren't the best, which is a nonsense. Anyway, quick ad break. Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DfE-validated programmes to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppies Phonics, and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit oxfordprimary.com forward slash phonics. Thank you. Uh, 
through our sponsors. Um, so I'm basically now going to just take stock a little bit about what we've been doing today and, and sum up for anyone who's just joining us. Um, we've been looking at what makes an effective school and, and we've basically been, um, there will be some rustling now, Tom, I'm sorry about this, rustling of papers as I go back through my notes. Um, yeah, how we create an effective school, uh, what leadership, what effective um, leadership teams do. So if you are on a leadership team or um, obviously you're a teacher working with in a school with an effective leadership team, I want to know what it is they do well. So Sarah and Philip have touched on a few of those. I mentioned a few of the successful things uh, at Outstanding School that I've worked in um, by the head teacher there and the SLT. But what do you think is important? What are the non-negotiables in terms of uh, having a leadership team that is effective uh, in your school? Uh, is the well-being thing becoming more of an a more of an issue uh, than it needs to be do you think or or do you think we should be making sure staff are protected do do people think they should have you know extra days off um, i was talking to a guy actually last week a deputy head and he was talking about that some um councils still do the give teachers a day off for christmas shopping um now i don't know how you feel about this but i i was a little bit shocked and he said it used to be a big thing back back in the day i mean i think we're talking 15 20 years ago uh when they had baker days which is like the old head of uh, education secretary kenneth baker now that is old but but he was saying that some uh councils still do this which means you basically get an extra day off at towards the end of this uh, towards the end of this term to do your christmas shopping i mean i'd, I'd love to hear what people think about this because personally for me and maybe I'm out of order, but I think we, we do get long holidays. We get a lot of time off. And obviously, we've got time over Christmas. I mean, we're breaking up. My school's breaking up on the, the 17th of December. And I certainly won't buy any, I won't buy any Christmas presents till probably Christmas Eve. But that's because I'm, you know, last minute Charlie. But even if you're not, even if you're going to be a bit more organized, that there is still time. But maybe not. Maybe I'm out of order. Please let me know if you think, yes, absolutely, we should have a day. I know we get a day for moving house. Um, which I think is which I think is perfectly uh, legitimate because you can you can't choose when you move house and that could fall on a school day. I get that, but Christmas shopping, I don't know. I think there's things like that that give us a bad name. I think sometimes. So I don't know. Let me know. Do you, do you think we should have a day off for Christmas shopping, uh, or do you think that's a little bit old fashioned and you know we've got to move with the times? Particularly considering I would expect most people get ninety percent of their Christmas shopping online now. Uh, from whatever uh, website you choose to use, mentioning no names, um, that, you know, I'm sure most people do their Christmas shopping like that and don't stand in queues uh, in Oxford Street or uh, Manchester Piccadilly or wherever you wherever you're, um, you live uh, to, to stand outside shops. Um, I, I just, you know, I, th I think that's probably why there's no need for them. But anyway, I digress. So, um, yeah, so what makes an effective school? Uh, well-being, how important is well-being? Um, how important is uh, staff presence? I think this is a big one. I've I've um, I've heard from a lot of people about staff surveys. I saw one on Twitter once where somebody said one of the most important things uh, that an SLT can ever do uh, is be on the corridors during lesson time. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean you work in a a really tough school with with kids out in the corridors, but I think we under well, I certainly underestimated how much staff value just having a member of the leadership team walk past an open door. 
Um, because if, if you are struggling or if there's a moment where you feel isolated, then, you know, knowing that there are, that there are members of SLT or, or heads of year or whoever it is, pastoral staff, walking around, um, always on call to help you, I think that makes a massive difference to staff morale. Um, and even if at the school I worked in, there wasn't any particular bad behaviour in the corridors in between lessons or, or during lessons, but there may have been little hotspots around the school. And I think if you're walking around and you're always floating about, somebody's there, it's just a face, it's just a body, it's somebody to go, can I have a hand? Because you don't have a radio if you're in a lesson. Um, you probably don't have a phone, although I, I did work in a school last term where they had landline phones in every classroom, which is very old school. But, you know, you don't really want to be calling 999 to get help. You, it's just nicer if it's organic and someone just walks in and says everything okay and maybe there's a, an issue and you're just there to gently speak to them outside. So I, I would say that is a big one. But obviously, Sarah and Philippa didn't really want to dwell on behaviour. They have done a lot of good stuff with behaviour learning, apparently, at their school. We didn't really want to dwell on it. We didn't want to make the whole show about behaviour or make it too negative. So we tried to look at some of the things that made them a successful school in terms of that extra little spice, um, things they do. They talked about displays of students' work. They talked about the pride. They talked about branding in the community. Um, so maybe you're at a school that's got a bad rep. I know one of my old schools had a bit of a bad reputation, then uh, eventually got that turned around through years and years of uh, press releases, positive events in the community, um, and of course, results going up. And then on top of that, Ofsted saying that we were good or outstanding. But they were they were the icing on the cake, if you like. The other parts to it were the, all the stuff going on behind the scenes, uh, people working tirelessly to build bonds with parents um, and put good positive things about the school in the press. And, and slowly but surely, the intake changed of the school um, as the results got better. And obviously, that is natural as well. Um, suddenly, you attract all sorts of different people and you get a different ethnic mix or you get different um, types of students all coming in uh, because everyone wants to go to that school. But that is another um, social political uh, <laughs> discussion for another day, which I may park that as another as another topic one day. Now, just time to talk about next week. Um, so last week I was supposed to have my guest, Adam, Adam Sirrett, who is a STEM, uh, a science teacher slash um, STEM um, guru. And he's got a background in engineering and, and um race car driving and he is gonna it's gonna be a fascinating show with with adam and we've done a little practice run and we've got some great discussion points to talk about stem and how science technology engineering maths work across the curriculum and we've got all this great stuff um and then obviously i had a tech nightmare last week so don't fear if you saw my tweets about that and you were interested in stem um and you want to know more, or you're a science or an engine, uh, technology and maths teacher that's that's keen to discuss STEM and, and its effectiveness, that will now be next week. So next week's show will feature Adam Sirrett and myself discussing STEM, but I'll obviously post that out. Um, I've mentioned other people's shows, so that is all good. Um, I hope you have a good evening, whatever you're doing tonight. We've got about 10 minutes left um, to just uh, chew the fat on this and sum up um and and actually still time for a call uh, or a message so um apart from tom's messages about uh administration of uh, the show um graham thank you very much for joining me 
and getting involved in that discussion. Really nice to have people texting and messaging in because it just makes it feel more of an interaction. And then those those uh, teachers that we had, Sarah and Philippa, were able to respond to Graham's points. So again, pose me a question if you want me to talk about something specific, if you want me to um, set, throw a question out to the, to the listeners, uh, please do get involved. We are an interactive show. We are a live show, uh, unless you're listening to this back on the podcast, and obviously we're not live. Um, but yeah, we're a live we're a live show. That is what Teacher Talk Radio is all about. And if you don't, you're just gonna have to listen to me waffling on for another uh, nine minutes. Um, so yeah, we we've talked about. So they were from Windhill Twenty One Academy, uh, Windhill Academy in Hearts, um, and they are a deputy head and a head. And they both we were talking a lot about um, things that make a successful school. So I've made a little list here, uh, and I'm just gonna go through these because what I actually. I did say I don't want a silver bullet because I know it's impossible, but yet at the same time, I did sort of stitch them up by saying, I want to know, give me some strategies, some answers. Because if you are listening, um, you know, this is this is CPD. That's a good thing about Teach Talk Radio. It's either a place to debate, place to discuss, or a place to learn. And so what I wanted to do in terms of that was get some um, tips, tricks, uh, uh, not tricks is a bad, bad way of putting it. Tips and advice, not for how to impress Ofsted. I, I don't really like that. But but tips for how to make your school a better uh, organisation, how to make a better experience for your students, how to improve the culture um, uh, for staff and for students. That is what's important, not whether you've got a certain badge on your, on your, um, on your sign outside because... I think there is issues with Ofsted and I think this will be another show that I am going to have to do if I can get a guest or someone uh, either to do with Ofsted or somebody connected, which I don't know if I'll be able to. But um, I'm, I'm just at the moment, I've, I've, I've had a lot of friends who've had Ofsteds in the last few weeks and some have had bad news confirmed and some have had been very surprised by the judgments in a good way. But, but um, without mentioning any names, um, you know, schools that they thought, oh, I don't think we're we're that at that level yet. And Ofsted said, yes, you are. So there's a lot of problems with we don't judge teachers anymore. We don't judge performance anymore. Uh, we don't look at grades anymore and data because the data is nonsense for the last two years. So now if everything is about curriculum and safeguarding, you know, is that the only way to judge the school? And, you know, how how can you definitely make sure you get that good or that outstanding. Um, you might have a fantastic curriculum intent, but it's not been embedded yet. Uh, you might have uh, brilliant lessons going on and great schemes, but staff aren't able to talk about them eloquently enough to make Ofsted think they're good. Anyway, th this is not obviously what today's show's about, but I feel like we've kind of gone to a, a different topic. Um, but I think this would be one, definitely one for the future. Um, let me know what you think. Um, there's there's two things. What is the role of Ofsted generally? What is the point of them? And how on earth is it a fair judgment of a, t a school's effectiveness when we don't judge lessons quite rightly because it was 20 minute observations, which was always a nonsense. But if we're not judging lessons and performance and we're not judging data um, and, and let's say all your safeguarding stuff's in place, then all really that is left is the curriculum. And then it just feels to me a bit like is that all it's about? Although curriculum is massive and important and links to teaching and learning in lots of different ways, I still I still kind of feel like 
is that the only way you're going to triangulate? I mean, I suppose there's all the sections, isn't there? Leadership and management and, and pastoral. There's all the different sections of the report, but I don't know. Help me out here, guys. Am I, am I, am I way off the mark here with this? Or do, you, do, do other people feel like it's a bit of a, it's an impossible uh, thing to get? It's an impossible um, game to play? And do leaders, as Graham mentioned earlier, and as other people have mentioned, are now leaders in schools and staff just in a whirlwind of panic because we've had a year and a half out and now suddenly Ofsted have got a massive backlog and they're just going around, bang, 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 to every school going, we've got to, we've got to do. And how can they do that if staff are not in or ill? Um, yes, we haven't got zones anymore and masks, but we have still got staff contracting COVID-19, which is a fact of life. Um, you know, yes, people, the deaths are down because of the vaccinations, but it's still out there, as we know. And I've, I've, I've had to do PCR tests myself every day this week because so many people I work with and come into contact with in the last week, I would say five or six people are off now off work because of it and that have had positive tests. So that's not sustainable, is it? And that's not going to help over Christmas, over the Christmas months and the cold months. Um, so really, do we want Ofsted breathing down our necks every five minutes as well? I don't think so. But I guess the argument is they've got a job to do and they've got a backlog of schools that haven't been uh, inspected. And so if they don't get inspected, then and they could be in a bad place and just those kids are, are missing out. Anyway, I think that's a, sh that's a show for another day. So like I say, um, don't forget the shows that are on later tonight. We've got Leanne. Uh, should be on straight after me at six and Genevieve uh, or Holly. I'm not sure. I think they share that show now uh, on, on the late show at eight. Um, we've got lots of good shows coming up uh, tomorrow's Dorian in the morning. Uh, Kate Jones will be back. I think she's back after Christmas. Um, so don't worry. She will still be coming back. And we've got lovely. Um, we've got Zoe Enser uh, as a new host starting on Saturday morning on the breakfast show. So make sure you tune into that. Um, please download um, this show if you if you missed the beginning and listen back because there's some great, it was really, I'm not just saying it, a fantastic interview with Sarah and Philippa and I'll give them another shout out and to all the staff at, at their school at Windhill 21 because, you know, this is what it's about. We've got to support each other. If we don't get support from, from the right people, from the government, from Ofsted, uh, from the exam boards necessarily, uh, if we're not getting that, um, the only people that can support um, us in our job is each other. So let's forget league tables and let's forget all these other stupid things and realise that we're all, they're all, we're all on the same team, effectively trying to get kids the best opportunities they can get. And if you can help improve that for your students by listening to this show, or by going visiting other people, by going on Twitter, um, by going on courses, by reading books, by... Um, the authors published uh, reading the Tez, uh, whatever it is, podcasts. Um, there's loads and loads out there. I know this probably feels like there's too much, but that's the only way we're going to um, progress as a profession is if we're if we're able to be honest with ourselves and keep improving. So that was a bit of a rant, wasn't it? I got all Ben out and then got all really political and I'm really on my soapbox. I do apologise. Uh, I don't want to make it too heavy. It is Thursday. It's Thursday night. It's Friday tomorrow. And then it's the weekend, guys. And then we're in three weeks till Christmas. And in fact, one more thing. Please don't put Christmas trees up yet. It really gets on my nerves. 
you can do it in your own house clearly because I can't I can't control you doing that but it's still November and one school I went to today not mentioning names they had their big start school Christmas tree in the reception and I physically felt sick uh, that's just going to hype kids up too early you've got another week at least before you put your tree up um, and then have your tree up for two weeks um, and any leaders listening please listen to me because I, I think putting a tree up now is, is too early. You, you've gone too early there um, and you're just going to create a problem for yourself. Anyway, I'm sure my colleague, uh, if she is listening and knows who I'm talking about, um, will just say, now, nah, sorry, Seb, don't agree with you, mate. She wants to get, maybe I'm being bar humbug, but it's not even December. It is not December. Um, but it is three weeks till we break up. So three weeks tomorrow, it'll be uh, potentially... Um, end of term parties, Christmas dues, maybe your Christmas dues before that. Uh, maybe that's something we can talk about on a future show. The Christmas do. Is it essential? Should it happen? Is it good for well-being? Is it inappropriate in this day and age? Uh, should we all be allowed to go out and have a drink and not worry about anything? Are you allowed? Do your Christmas dues take place in the local community? Uh, or have your your um, your your head teacher or your, your if you work for a trust, have they put a stop to that? I know there's a lot of issues with drinking in the local community if you've got um, parents. So that is, we often would go into the West End or go into London uh, away from the local area. Still doesn't mean you don't bump into people. So that that is a whole minefield. Um, and maybe I will talk about that on, a, on the show just before Christmas because I think um, it, it's, it's a fun thing, but um, there's, <laughs> there's definitely some issues with it. Right, I'm going to go. Um, I hope you enjoyed the show, everybody. Please um, download download it as you uh, as you always do. Um, if you've not been listening live, and if you have been listening live to all those wonderful people joining me today, uh, thank you so so much. Um, I'm really glad to be back. I'm sorry about last week, and I'm looking forward to next week's show with Adam, which will be on the topic of STEM. So have a good evening. Uh, take care, everyone, and look after yourselves. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.